Thank you for joining us. My name is Alan Corbishley, and I am the Artistic Director of Sound the Alarm Music Theatre and the Creative Director of Theatre for the Ears, a series of immersive fictional audio dramas that help explore our social challenges through fiction and through conversations such as this that help sound an alarm on on this case, mental health. So joining me today are two incredible women. The first is registered clinical counselor, Ashley Greensmith, who is here to help us build context around this alarm of mental health, uh, which has been presented in the episode Starman, which was written and created by my second guest, Pippa Mackey. Welcome. How are you doing? Good. Good. Uh, we were just eating pizza, of course. <laughs> yeah, I'm great. Yeah, margarita pizza, of course, in line with this with the uh, episode. So, first off, Pippa, congratulations! Such an exciting piece. I've been so inspired by it since you very first proposed it way back in when was that January or so? Yeah, I guess it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, it's had a bit of a journey, and it's quite interesting that this piece was originally created before the pandemic, even. And now it's got this incredible gravitas to it that we've all needed to live through this incredible isolation, quarantining, kind of really limiting our social contact, and yet also needing to really reach out through digital you know, Zoom and what have you. And we've kind of all just adapted in this very abstract way. Can you kind of just talk us through about the journey of when you first wrote this piece for the stage, for the live the version, and then so how it's come to be in this audio version? Yeah, um, well, the piece uh, first became a show when Up in the Air Theatre, who I'm a producer with, um, actually commissioned me and a, a three or four other groups of um, artists to write a show based on the theme, The Shape of the Galaxy. And when that theme was presented to me, I immediately started looking up like galactic events and I landed upon um, black holes mm. and I started to do some reading especially about like the, the black holes just swallow things without any ceremony, without um, even being seen. And then those things are gone forever and they never come back and we don't know where they go. And so when I started to research that, I found that um, – I was relating that experience to, I feel like the experience that some people are having in the current climate of uh, having their opinions and thoughts and language um, changed because of how we have grown as a society. And that um, maybe some of these people with some of these um I don't know, steadfast opinions about, oh, things have to be this way. What happens if they get sucked into a black hole and disappear forever? Because that's technically what will happen to you if you don't, in my opinion, if you don't adapt and change and, you know, open yourself up to being changed and having your opinions changed. And so I started to think about well, who is this person who, like, who would be deserved of being sucked into a black hole? <laughs> and then this character came to mind, this person who is really struggling with, um, with how the world is changing. And instead of reaching out 
decides to go in and goes so far in that, you know, a galactic event takes place in his own life. And mm. so he he is the star and, you know, each human being is a star and has this ability to be seen. And, you know, as he he can't quite manage the world anymore and instead of reaching out and trying to shine he goes inward and then is swallowed completely <laughs> great we'll, co- we'll come back to that in yeah. regards to like the, the the journey of that but what since we're on the subject of black holes which is a, a fascinating um framing for a piece and metaphor and have you what have you m- even looking online black holes are used quite often to describe like states that people are in within mental health. Ashley, is that is that through your experience, is that an interesting metaphor to kind of talk on how it feels when people are really going through difficult times or? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a really appropriate metaphor. And I do hear clients in the office talk about their experiences with mental health in that way. So I thought it was a perfect depiction of um, how a lot of people describe Um, depression and the impacts of social isolation. And both of those things, I would say, are uh, happening at an increasing level over the past couple of years, almost couple of years now with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Especially the words that you used, turning inward, that's really what happens when someone is experiencing depression. They tend to isolate from other people. They tend to perceive themselves as being socially isolated as well and really turn into their own negative thoughts, their own negative ideas about the world. And it kind of casts this really dark filter on their experience. And they're really kind of sucked into their own negative ideas, uh, just like a black hole. It can be really overwhelming. It's uh, totally, especially during depression or I, I, I think what I'm kind of finding with this whole atmosphere and social politics and it's very difficult to find one's center because uh, everything is getting torn apart on on many levels rightfully so um and as a as a white man in particular i feel like that is needed to happen for a good time but it's also very difficult to reflect back on keep your center and keep your strength while understanding you need to adapt and change to your point. Yeah. And, you know, I said earlier that I I thought of Daryl as somebody who's, you know, deserved of being in this black hole or having that experience happen to him because I'm really hard on my own characters because mm. in lots of ways, um, a lot of their thoughts and, you know, are thoughts that pass through me or have passed through me. And so um, once, you know, I came to that conclusion, then all of these other, um, you know, other ways of finding empathy for somebody who's really, really struggling and who really can't quite, he wants to be like really good about things. Like he asks Jessica Mm. if he can think about her because Mm -hmm. he's taken what society has shown him too far. And so he, he's just thinks that people expect more of him and he's very overwhelmed by the world in general. And it is overwhelming, you know, like the stuff that he says about his phone, like stop selling me things. I don't want your salad. Like I don't. And so that (laughs) stuff is all like very, you know, real. And I certainly experienced that like on Instagram. I'm just like, why, why am I on here so much? Like it would be easier if I wasn't. So yeah. 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 
it's a you've you've crafted it very well where you can find a lot of humor and and laugh along with his quirks and his naivete or his cringy moments of exactly needing to ask permission to think about someone but it is a very fragile environment right now where i think for a lot of people it's difficult to even navigate what is appropriate is my behavior or my thoughts or my what i've known to be my entire life is now being completely thrown out the window or at least um disturbed what what are you finding with with people um yeah i think people i'm going to speak really generally people are being a lot more careful with what they're saying and how or people who don't want to be careful about what they're saying and how are becoming more angry mm. about the politics of speech they resent it yeah mm. absolutely mm. there's a lot of resentment and i think that i i do see both of those kinds of people in in my in my clinic in my virtual office you know people who are frustrated with all of the tiptoeing around that they have to do and feeling resentful at how people are being woke and then people who are connecting with different parts of themselves and being able to kind of wear their values more I don't know more openly more proudly and being able to advocate for themselves for for themselves, for other people that they care about, um, through the connections they've made with identifying with, you know, different social movements that are happening, those kinds of things. Mm. Yeah. Where do you think it all, like, started? Where do you think this all came from? Anyone? Any thoughts? Anyone? Because it seems fairly recent, like in the last two years, where we're all just very on edge with, with, yeah. I don't know if it just started. I've uh, I've been a you know, working in theater and the arts for a long time. And I feel like, and with emerging artists and lots of discussions around, um, around social movements, around, um, I guess like some newer things would be like pronouns and things like that are, that are, um, still new for some folks. And then for folks like me who work in the theater is like, oh, it's pretty standard and has been for quite some time or just to start really considering the people around you. Um, I feel like that's slowly creeping into um, jobs that aren't already like in the arts. I think this is where a lot of discussions start, you know, like this is how emotions are processed is through art and then it sh it's shared with the public. And um, like, for instance, like I know a few people, they're still not, you know, saying their pronouns in, you know, meetings and stuff. So it's coming in. I think being at home alone um, when you didn't have as much to do, I think, drew more attention to things that were easy to ignore. As Pippa was talking, I was reflecting on how, you know, pronouns and and different topics that are coming out of all of the social movements that have seemed to have had more, I don't know, more, more time on the airwaves, more time in the news, more time in social media. That's kind of new to social sciences too. Like there, there are of course niches, there are groups of um, therapists who are already, you know, part of these different marginalized and oppressed communities. But I would say as like a cis white female therapist, pronouns wasn't something that I talked about before. Um, and so I've 
tuned my sensitivity radar even higher, I would say. And even still, there are regularly in our, you know, therapist email blasts, as exciting as it sounds, actually, it's pretty awesome sometimes, (laughs) (laughs) but different seminars and workshops on like cultural sensitivity or working with certain kinds of groups. And I think more people are paying attention to that. And I'm also noticing comparing the past two years with um, the time before the pandemic, there weren't these kinds of things in the email newsletters. Like Mm. these weren't the Mm -hmm. things we were talking about. It was... Mm other general mental health stuff. Let's go back actually just to really refresh on what what was the experience like in live compared to the audio? Like what was different about it? I think Daryl's ups and downs were more extreme in, in this one. And he was just a little bit less um, fleshed out in the staged version, I think, just because of time. And then in this one, it was he was just a lot clearer to me. Oh, good. One thing that I really enjoyed learning about was that it was intended to be live because it was such an immersive experience that I had a hard time imagining what it would be like to actually see someone act it out. And I gave it a listen a couple of times because at first I first listen, I got the dark humor. I'm like tracking the voice, trying to imagine what does this person look like if it were a client? Like he says, you know, he doesn't exist. He's he's faceless. He's got this name, but all you have is his voice. And I'm thinking, okay, is he like Ryan Reynolds? Is he like Ed Helms? Like I'm picking these things up from his voice. Like what does he look like? Is he like Ryan Reynolds in Friends and, you know, the, the before he comes back to town? And then and the second listen through um, – after I sort of had my first impressions, it was like I was listening more deeply and hearing themes and getting his sadness and getting his inner struggle. And the the theme of the black hole became so much more clear. So that I thought was really valuable and something that wouldn't necessarily be as easy to recreate if I had seen it in person. Like, would I see it again and try to pull these things from it? So I... I really love that it ended up being audio. Sorry. No, but I that, love it. <laughs> no, me too. I do me too. too. There was there was places it couldn't go visually, right? And so mm-hmm. um it was in the first time I've ever written for an audio experience. So that was really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um What did then, you learn from that? Oh, I mean, I had to change the stage directions because I'm, you know, when I write the stage directions, it's all visual and and I found like okay well how do I convey physical comedy like oh I can't so not easily like so like how can I offer an imagination um but I also felt like I really wanted the spatial elements to I wanted him to be like obviously recording and then obviously kind of in his apartment just living his life and I thought that the audio team did an amazing job with that um it was awesome yeah like, also as a, as a listener i thought it was totally awesome yeah well evan Barrent is uh the guy to thank for that yes, evan's yeah. yeah evan's great he's sitting right there <laughs> <laughs> we are actually in his studio which is in fact daryl's apartment or starman's apartment it's so, not what i imagined it would be like yeah it's no. way nicer it's way than yeah. daryl's apartment in my mind is pretty pretty sad actually yeah. like so his closet his actual closet the we did record him actually in the closet, in so the bathroom, great. in the hallway. And so we really, Evan really wanted to generate that whole atmosphere of space and and, and yeah. give it that 
um, authenticity. So uh, it worked really, really well. And um, what I loved about the fact that it was audio is that as like the podcasting type of framework, it felt like we were just like eavesdropping in a sort of like weird peeping Tom sort of way where we're just observing this man and this descent is really quite extraordinary and um, fun at times <laughs> not fun I suppose but funny ish and then really turns and um the flushing of the toilet and just like tricks like that where you really understand passing of time but in a a, a way that is still light and um it kind of makes you chuckle at a inappropriate times like a good totally. Quentin Tarantino you know I also really liked um, Victor Dolhai, who did The Voice of Me or The Black Hole, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. His um, interpretation of Jessica I found to be really effective. Yeah. Um, And, like, I was really transported to their dance as well. Mm -hmm. um, So all of those things, like, they're clear in my mind. And to hear them actually, like, produced by the team was an awesome experience. What was your sort of priorities on what you wanted the audience to learn about Daryl and what you wanted the imagination to kind of take over? When you're seeing the characters, like there's a suspension of disbelief that the audience is only willing to go so far with. But when it's an audio experience, um, I think that like the reaction of some people I know has been like pretty varied. Some people are like, oh, it's super funny. And some people are like, whoa, that shit was dark. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, and really didn't get a lot of humor from it. And I think, I think that's like a really interesting thing to have happened because when you're in your own mind and you're not looking at something visually uh, or the characters, you're, you end up sort of, putting your own flavor on it or like Mm. whatever mood you're in is going to creep in and your own imagination actually does a lot of the work. Which Um, is very powerful. Very powerful. And I think always with like the characters and especially with Daryl, like, yes, he's, he's struggling and he's not, you know, the best person on the planet, but I think he's really trying. Mm. <laughs> and, and to me, like, that's where some of the comedy is. And also, like, yeah. his his unwavering positivity at certain moments. And, like, I think, like, dark comedy is a pretty good way of describing his, Absolutely. his, yeah. his way through life. And, like, he's just committing to something. And he's, like, trying on this new persona. <laughs> and... Yeah, he's just, you know, he could have really used someone like you. <laughs> the real lesson is call your therapist at night. <laughs> right now, yes. Even the pizza man probably was like, are you sure you yeah. don't need someone to call? You sure you want to eat this pizza at 9 a.m., bud? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Ashley, listening into it, um, with a counselor's ear, what were some of the things that when you were listening to it for probably the first or the second time um, that you would have wanted to kind of like dig in a little bit deeper as a counselor? Oh my gosh. <clears throat> I don't want to make this a, a, I don't, I certainly don't want to make it into a, Mom, um, a character. Jessica. Yeah. I don't want to make it into a character like dissection yeah. because I think the, the ambiguity is, is, is great, but what are some of the things that would be like, oh, that's a, that's something, there's a hint right there. Yeah. From a starting point, I am so curious about the first 
four decades of his life. <laughs> but some things that were really punctuated was, um, what is his issue with women? Because he mentions his mom a couple of times. He's got his obsession with Jessica from calling her to still thinking about her decades later to, you know, this enactment that happens. Um, and he's, I, I in my second listen, he's reading a lot of comments in there from women too. And they're saying some really mean things. And he's having these reactions where he's attacking personally and saying, oh, no, 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 that's that's the old me. That's not Starman. So that's something I'm curious about. Mm. Um, oh, those a, are the ones he chose to read out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And there was one that was more ambiguous. And I think he said like, hey, guy or man or whatever. Mm. Freaking well, leave. Was right? that the uh, was that the David Bowie shout out? Yeah. Hashtag leave was the, <laughs> it was the David yeah. Bowie shout out. Yes. Yeah. yes. Which seems to me like the, the, meanest, po- po- or the yeah. meanest hashtag you can maybe say is hashtag leave. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but that was, that was one of the ones that really stood out is what is his experience with women and what is his experience of being a man in society among women? And it seems like he doesn't perceive himself to be really, um, enjoyed or interesting to, mm. Not worthy. Not worthy. Sure, yeah. Not worthy to women or female body people. Or I'm not sure what his perception of like genders and sexes would even be. How how expansive is his thinking around that? Another thing that really stood out was, you know, is he is he clinically depressed? Is he experiencing anxiety? He talks about these intrusive thoughts. And I'm thinking, is there like some kind of like break that's happening right now? Um, so my mind went into all these different places as I was hearing him kind of narrate his own experience and this battle between him trying to figure out, like to make himself important to himself while he's becoming this star man mm-hmm. and clearly believing at the same time that he's existing in a world that just doesn't care about him. Yeah. So is that his coping technique? Is that a coping technique to like build another persona? Is it a fragmentation of self of sorts? Is, is it a, is it a reaction of trauma? What, what? Ooh, those are good questions. Um, dissociation can be a coping technique. And so I think he's dissociating a bit from himself as Daryl by creating this persona Starman. And depending on how far he were to go into that, then maybe it might be a fragmentation of personality. I, I got the distinct impression that he had been accused of something in his real life, that Mm. he had been accused at work or something of something inappropriate and just like got canceled basically out of work or out of his social life and, and just got, went completely into rejection mode of, well then screw you world. And I will just remove myself from the world if need be. So that actually gets me to ask about tools. Like I think why everyone's struggling or is that we've all been raised with so many different circumstances, different privileges, different disadvantages, different parenting styles, um, different environments, different perspectives on the world, different religions. And so it's impossible for any of us to come to any situation with a perfect solution. And yet everything is becoming drawn down into this black or white that, you know, there was a right way to deal with this situation and a wrong way to use this. And there was a right language to use and a wrong language to use. So is it that we are expected to have all the tools to be able to deal with every situation and yet 
you know, we just need to figure, we have to kind of learn as we go. I'd say people definitely feel more vulnerable when they don't have the tools that it seems like they are expected to have. Yeah. And one thing that, that makes me think of as well is how untooled, <laughs> how unskilled we are for a lot of everyday experiences just through our own, like you mentioned, through our own family, through our education systems. There are so many things that are sort of, I would say, basic tools that I end up talking to so many of my clients about that we could benefit from having like a having this integrated into our formal systems like communication, conflict management, you know, like how to do relationships, how to um, recognize an emotion and name it, like these fundamental ways of relating to people. Because ultimately we are going to meet people we just don't like. We're going to meet people who just don't like us. And we're going to have to work with some of these people too. Some of that's going to be an inevitable pairing um, that we can't walk away from easily. And so to have those kinds of skills would be really advantageous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, avoid a lot of personal stress and struggles and, you know, self-worth can always, you know, can be conflated in that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, What I'm curious about is this idea that Daryl is potentially an incel. (laughs) Does anyone want to explain what that is? Um, The term incel... Um, means like involuntary, involuntary celibate. Um, so somebody who wants to be out there having sex and no one will have sex with them, <laughs> kind of like. Um, and I only heard about the term um, a, like a year or two before I wrote the play, but I found and I started to sort of like look into the community a little bit, like, whoa, it's super intense and it's male rage and being mad that like people won't, um, can I swear? Maybe I won't. People won't have sex with them. Like, and that it's not their fault. It's women's fault for, and like people's fault for not having sex with them. And I just find that so interesting. Well, it's turned into a bit of a radicalization, has it not, in the recent years? Yeah, where it's turned into almost, uh, yeah, I don't know. What's your experience? My understanding of it is it's an internet subculture and it's men who believe that women are just not interested in them for whatever, whatever the reason may be, that they're too short or they don't have some genetic advantage or because they're not a white cis male or because they're not a tall, whatever the case may be. Um, And usually there's really harmful and hostile beliefs towards women and sometimes towards masculinity as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's different like groups within the group as well. I don't know enough to explain it all. And I would say beneath it all is like some soft, soft feelings of pain. Mm. Soft? I, I, I don't know. Is, well, it's is it coming soft? out as rage, uh-huh. right? But the, but the pain is, it's a, it's a universal feeling. Maybe not how someone will interpret and express that kind of pain. Um, but it's someone who's wanting to connect and is somehow at their wits end, not knowing how to. And my experience too, in in working with some folks from the community, I'll say, 
Um, self-worth is a huge issue. Like not knowing how to self-validate, looking outside of themselves for validation through having sex with a woman or having romantic partnerships and just feeling so inferior mm. and really identifying with that. Mm. So um, just in regards to Daryl or Starman and, and developing this whole other identity or this persona to protect him from his vulnerabilities, his fear, his really generating a controlled environment, removing himself from the, the, the world, which is unpredictable, scary. He's susceptible to various things. So now he's controlled his environment in this very unhealthy way and, and then basically rejects everything about himself and his past and, and is, is now generating this whole other persona. So what, what do you, what are you seeing about that? This whole disconnect between what we're observing and what we're seeing in others and yet their realities. Yeah. I think there's a lot of unhealthy downwards comparison that happens that people are looking at someone's say social media feed and seeing what is the curated, completely edited, totally doctored highlights and comparing it to what's going on in their life and all of their behind the scenes. And I couldn't even count the hours I spend talking about social media and comparison and social media detoxes and cleanses and removing apps and all of these kinds of things because people are so focused on finding, you know, this maybe for their, for their own self external validation through likes or through comments or through number of followers or who's blocked you, mm -hmm. who's not following you. Um, I think there's a really, um, toxic relationship that can come from identifying so much with social media and this idea of personal branding. And at the same time, I think there's also an opportunity for it to be a healthy coping, me coping mechanism in building a community and following people on social media, interacting with people on different platforms who have the kinds of ideas you have that are, you know, more open-minded, maybe that means more liberal, whatever it means, um, where you're able to, you know, feel encouraged and the sense of community and the sense of belonging. Yeah. If there was anyone who was kind of relating to what Daryl possibly is going through, what, what would advice would you give them? That's a big question, I know. Go to therapy. <laughs> or talk <laughs> quick. to somebody. Go to therapy. It quick. doesn't have to yeah. be go to therapy. I mean, that's really cheesy <laughs> and predictable. But to talk to someone, like share these ideas with someone. Because, okay, you might have kinship. Hopefully it's not toxic. You might talk to someone who can kind of be a sounding board and help you process your feelings. Hopefully, hopefully it's that. Um, yeah, just Talk to Cause, someone. Because many people are feeling the same way. Absolutely. And yeah. it's so, it is so easy, just like Daryl experiences, it's so easy to isolate yourself from the world and all but disappear. And it's very easy just to assume that everyone else has got it figured out and you're the one swimming. Oh, yeah. You know? I think that's a very common, common feeling. And what is your hopes when people listen to it? What is it that you hope they learn or, or think about afterwards? I think Daryl's a pretty good example of somebody who's just been unwilling to change at all. And so what he's left with is 
um, not a whole lot. And like his confidence just goes further and further down into the literal toilet, one could argue. So, <laughs> um, so I think in these difficult moments in our lives, it's important to reach out to somebody, some someone, whether it's someone you know or someone you don't know fully, um, because I th- he, it could have been avoided, you know? It's a little bit of a, a, a wee bit of a warning kind of a show um, because like that black hole feeling, right? Like it'll, it'll, it wants to pull you in. That's like the whole role of a black hole is that it pulls you into its gravity. But I do believe that there's a way of getting out of it and you just have to, you know, you can't go further in for answers. Like sometimes you actually have to go out. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you both so much. Uh, Is there anything before I close this out, anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to talk about? Um, Oh, yeah. Well, I just wanted to... um, Thank um, Brent Hirose, the director, and um, Malcolm Dow, the sound designer, um, and you, Alan, for uh, taking on this play, um, and uh, Joanna Garfinkel for being the dramaturge. Um, yeah, and the whole Kayvon Koshkam and Victor Dolhai. Uh, so the entire team, I... I was so excited to hear the final product and I was totally blown away. So thank you so much. Well, thank you because uh, actually Pippa helped kind of devise that team on many levels, uh, at least the the, the cast. And um, it was an easy project to even make even better because the script was so strong right from the get-go. So congratulations to you. Thank it's, you so it's, much. It's been it's such a joy. really nice to actually hear a professional, like, kind of dissect uh, a character like what an amazing opportunity because you go in and like the characters kind of become part of you when you're the writer like because you have to you can't just be like well fuck this guy (laughs) like um just like because then they don't come out real and so to have this real discussion about somebody who I know won't be everybody's favorite person um is super interesting to me because yeah it just offers like a whole new so thank you so much for speaking about this yeah. character what, a, what an you, amazing Ashley. opportunity Ashley <laughs> I wonder if it feels like I'm talking about you know your brother or something like talking <laughs> about something I don't have a brother so well <laughs> no I mean like as a you know a fictional brother it totally I... they become kind of part of you so yeah. it's really cool to hear them be like psychoanalyzed or <laughs> that's great <laughs> Well, thank you both so much for this. Uh, Sound the Alarm Music Theater, we do want to help contextualize these sort of issues through responsible and informed conversation. So thanks for the bravery and the and the courage to kind of come through and, and, and talk through this episode and all the various elements that we kind of learned through through that journey. Um, if you want to know more about uh, Pippa Mackey, you can always go to her website at pippamackey.com or follow her on Instagram, which is at Pippa Mackey. Or if you'd like to know more about Ashley Greensmith, you can always check her out at ashleygreensmith.com. That's G-R-E-E-N-S-M-Y-T-H. Or follow her as well at Ashley Greensmith. If you are yourself a... Uh, 
finding you're struggling uh, in any sort of way, there is information on our website at soundthealarm.ca and go to our Theatre for the Ears page. And with underneath the Starman episode, you will find a link for any mental health resources or numbers you can call. So please uh, feel free and we do encourage you the work through is always worth in, worth it and the better answer. So um, next week, we're going to actually talk to some of our cast members and we're going to take a male perspective on this episode. So we'll get into that uh, next week. So join us for that. And then our next audio drama is The Eternal Sailor by Derek Chan. And that comes out on December 1st. So do take a, a look at that. So thank you again for listening. And uh, once again... Have a great day and subscribe if you're so willing and follow us on Facebook or on Instagram at Sound the Alarm MT. Have a great day. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>